Welcome to Anderswick Church. We hope this message empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Anyway, my name is Alicia and I'm the better half of Jared. No, I'm joking. I'm just joking. I can have a bit of fun because it's my turn now with the mic. No, but honestly, I'm excited to be here this morning. I'm excited that you're here this morning. I spotted a lot of people wandering in that I hadn't seen in a while, so it made me excited when I saw your face come through the building. So I'm really glad that you're with us this morning. I hope your morning's been good so far. I had a child come in and see me, and she had drawn pen on her face. I was like, yeah, Sunday morning, it's always a good start. Last week, well, actually, the last, what will be, three, four weeks, we've been speaking about ministry. And last week, Pastor Brent, he spoke on ministry and he spoke a powerful message. It was really powerful, especially towards the end. And I'm excited to be carrying on with that theme. I want to share with you a scripture, and it should be on the screens. The band's gone. Um, Ephesians 4, 11 to 12. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people, that's all of us, to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Whether you perform regular duties in church, whether you preach, or whether you're quietly in the background helping, we are all called to ministry. We serve God by letting His life be evident in our lives that others can see His glory and receive eternal life as well. Shall we pray? All right, why don't you bow your heads. Lord, we just thank You so much that You are already in the room right now, Father. And God, we just pray for this morning. God, I just commit uh, this next 20 minutes or so to You, Father. I commit this message to You, Lord God. I pray that it wouldn't just be words that have been made up, Lord God, that it would be words that would speak to our hearts, to our souls, God. I pray that you would lead us and where to go with this message, Lord, that you would speak to every single person. May they receive an encouragement, a stirring of their faith. God, I just pray right now that you would be with us in this moment, Lord, and we just commit this to you. And everyone said, Amen. Well, if you're taking notes, who still takes notes? Who still writes? No, it's funny, eh? Like you kind of forget how to write these days. <laughs> it's the worst when you like, I don't know, when you go to see your lawyer or anyone when you've got to sign documents and you've got to sign your signature over and over. That's where I often forget what my signature is because I just don't write much. Anyway, the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is Come and See. And that is off John 4, 29. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? I've got sad news. In two days' time, summer is officially over. No, I know. If like... By the calendar, but you might be like, nah, 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 we barbecue all the way through some, all the way through winter, we keep it going. Or maybe you're one of those people that goes swimming at the beach, regardless of what the weather is. But how crazy is it? It's two days and we're in March. And I feel like summer was a blur. It went way too fast. And I thought before we finish summer, let's try and remember what summer was like. And so I wanted to show you some photos of our summer break. We holidayed in Golden Bay with the kids and we had a couple of weeks there and it was the best time. And we had this goal, well, it was more my goal that we had to swim every day, regardless if it was raining, if there was a whistly and it was rough and there was dumping waves, you had to swim. The kids weren't so keen, but I was like, no, you have to do this. We have to wake up. Otherwise, me personally, 
I would be on the couch having a cup of tea, cup of tea, slice, cup of tea, cup of tea, slice. Shout out to Sneaky Slice. And so there was one thing we did. I was like, you've got to be in the water. So I've got a photo of us. There we go. We're like, <laughs> we got our wetsuits on. It was cold. I couldn't find mine. Neither, well, Jared could, but we're actually rocking my parents' wetsuits from the 80s. <laughs> um, they could be quite fashionable right now. Jared's was slightly tight. Looks good. <laughs> I know. And then we've got another photo of, of the beach, I think. There we go. This is actually Tata Beach. Most people will know it. If you don't, you're, getting, you're missing out. You want to visit. Um, that's the kids. And that's what I think the end of our holidays, that's what the week looked like. It was beautiful. And then can I show a photo of the last photo? And that's how the holiday ended. We went from the golden sands of you know, Golden Bay to the uh, crisp, uncomfortable sheets of the hospital bed. Uh, that was me, and that was not fun. You can take that down now. Well, but hey, you've got, you've got to be a bit real, right? You, you've got to get uncomfortable and show yourself at your worst. But uh, that was me. And so basically what happened towards the end of our holiday, I developed a fever. Every day I get this fever. I'll be with a hot water bottle at night, burning hot, no idea what was going on. And so we're like, maybe we should cut the holiday short. Sorry, I've got a hair. We should cut the holiday short and come home. And so we come home and Jared's like, you need to go to the doctor and just see what's going on. And so I go to the doctor and she kind of suspects that my gallbladder is inflamed. I'm like, what? My gallbladder? And so off I go to hospital and they, they get me through and they're like, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, I think it's your gallbladder. You're going to be having surgery. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. So I'll be in tonight, surgery tomorrow, home on Saturday. If you've been to hospital, you'll know that's not how it works. Hospital runs on island time. It's like, whenever, but we'll get there. And so the next morning I wake up and they're like, we're going to starve you for the day so you can have an ultrasound and you're waiting for the time. And they're like, oh, it's at four o'clock. And you're like, oh my gosh. And by then I was starting to get quite sick. I'm on the drip. I'm having to have anti-nausea injections every couple of hours to help me. I can't eat. I'm going to be honest, I actually experienced anxiety for the first time. Because when you're in a hospital in a room with three other people in a tiny little cell, it's not very fun. And I was there over the weekend and they came and said, yep, you're going to have surgery, but we won't be able to operate until like Monday or Tuesday. And so this was like Saturday morning. And I was like, how am I going to last? Like, what do I do? Um, and so luckily I had like Jared, he came in, my parents came in, they helped pass time. Most of the time you're just kind of sleeping to try and like make the clock go faster. And then you wake up and you're like, oh, it's only moved like 10 minutes. What am I going to do? And there's this chick next to me and it's interesting. You can have a curtain between you, but you feel like you get to know them pretty well. <laughs> and this girl, she was having this similar thing to me and she was waiting for surgery and it was like 3.30 surgery was due, nurse came in, she's like nope, it's now 4.30 and this girl went from being kind of like worried to then sad to then angry to at one point she's on the phone and I'm like is that curtain about to come down, like she is raging mad and then what was interesting was I'm listening to the conversations and it's amazing how like you don't even have to know someone or even know what they look like and part of their fear can rub off on you and I started to suddenly feel a little bit like Ooh, what if this happens to me? Like, what if I get to Monday and they keep pushing my surgery out? Like, I'm not afraid of surgery. I trust the doctors. But it's when you're in hospital and you feel sick and you can't eat and time goes slow. That was my fear. And she obviously got her surgery and then, you know, I thought, well, you know, I'm going to keep praying. I've got to trust God. I know that God's got me. 
I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to pray that surgery is on Monday, that it happens, that I get the perfect time. And so Monday morning rolls around and I'm like, right, I'm going to be organized. Read the word for the day. Yep, I'm good, God. Let's like get in the right mindset. Like don't let any doubt or fear get in, right? You know how you try and control the situation? And then I'm like, I'm going to even get the jab of the anti-nausea so I don't feel sick. I'm going to get it before I actually feel sick so that I'm actually like really organized. I sit back. I've got like a woman's day. I haven't read that in years. Catching up on all the news. Not that it's news. And within like 10 minutes, um, this like surgeon or nurse pops her head behind the curtain. She's like, Alicia. I was like, yeah. She's like, we're going. We're going to theater. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to go to theater now. And I can't reenact my expressions of how it happened, but I just burst out in tears in that moment. And it wasn't tears because I was scared of going under. It was these tears of joy, of like, like God had just hit me in the face. I was like, oh, wow. Oh, God, like, I, I know you're real. I've experienced you, but you're real. Like, I'm going to surgery now. Oh, my goodness, I wasn't expecting this. And I'm crying, and she's like, are you all right? I'm like, no, no, I'm not nervous. I'm like, this is an answer to prayer. Like, oh my gosh. She's looking at me like, you're probably crazy. And so then she gets me in the hospital bed and we're going down the corridor and she's trying to stare at it because you kind of have to have a license to drive one of those beds. And we make it onto the lift, elevator lift. And there's this lady as she's hopping out and she smiles at me, says something nice. And I just look at her name tag and all the name says in capitals is Joy. Joy. And I was like, whoa, okay, God, that's you again. Like, this is like, wow. You know, like, I don't know, like, I get moments where I experience God, and then you kind of go quiet, and then you have those moments where it's like, oh my gosh, God, just like, keep on coming. Like, this is amazing. And we're going into the theatre, and so before you go to theatre, they take you into a pre-room where they check everything, and they do all the final checks, the surgeon comes in, it's all that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, I really want to, like, ask, like, I wonder what number surgery I am. And then... There's this other voice that's like, no, no, don't ask because the morning's going so good so far. You don't want to like interrupt, right? We all think that, eh? And then I was like, oh, but I really want to know. So I was like, oh, like how many surgeries have you guys done? And he's like, surgeon's like, oh, you're our first one for the day. You're the first name on the top of the list. Our team is getting ready for you. You're the first one. And I was like, I can't believe this because if you've been to hospital, they have acute and then emergency. And I'd been slipped in because I wasn't a planned surgery. And I couldn't believe it when he said, no, the whole team is preparing the room for you. You're the first one. I was like, wow, like, wow, God. And so obviously surgery happens. They screw my belly button up. All that kind of thing happens. No, I'm not just joking. No, seriously, though, when you get your gallbladder out, they stitch it up. And I'm like, where's my belly button? Like, what's happened? Anyway, a few weeks later, I'm driving home and I'm replaying what happened. You know how you talk through it in your head? You're like, yeah, that happened. And I'm going over and I'm kind of thinking over just everything that happened. And then I hear this voice in my head. And it's like, Alicia, did you really doubt me? Did you really doubt me that I would not look after you? Of course I would put you first. And I was like, no, I didn't. But I just, it was just realization of like, of course I didn't doubt you. Of course God's going to put me first. You know, I've, it was an incredible moment. And I, and I'm driving up the road and I start kind of like laughing to myself like, oh my gosh, God, like that is one of the many reasons why I follow you. Because when you're under God's care, it's incredible. It is incredible when you're under his care. 
And it reminds me of that verse, Psalm 37, verse 23. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of your lives. I want to remind you right now, He delights in every single detail, even the tiny ones, even like my detail of wanting to be first. He delights in every single detail. You know, when my time from hospital Yes, it was horrible being in hospital. I had nine nights away from the kids. Usually when you go away from your kids, it's on holiday. My first time away from all three kids was in hospital. But you know what? I count it as a blessing because it opened my eyes to what it's like to be under God's care when you're going through a battle or when you're going through a hard time. And it got me thinking of all the people that you can come across every day, all the interactions that you have. You know how they share problems? You see it on social media. You see it in the news, what people are facing. And I'm often left thinking, even me and Jared can often say, how do you survive going through that? Like, how do they do that if they haven't got Jesus? Like, what do they do? Because you see, I don't want to imagine life without Jesus. I want him in my life. He is my life. So I want to ask you, who would be your rock, the peace that you need when life is hard and you want to throw it in? Who would give you those quiet whispers and revelations of how much he loves you? Who would you center your life around without Jesus? Where would you find the love like Christ that is unconditional, that is so wide, so high, and so deep? You know, what is the reason that you follow Jesus? Or what are the many reasons that you follow him? You know, why are you following him? And as we talk about ministry, this should be a motivator for telling others about Jesus. You have an assignment on your lives, if you forgot, and sometimes I need reminding, and the assignment is that we've got to share the good news. We have to share the good news. We have a generation of young people coming up, and I feel like so often they just get told, you need to hide behind pills, you need to hide behind more genders. But they don't need to hide behind a gender or pills, they need Jesus. They need to know Jesus. The world urgently needs more ministers, not people up here with a mic, but you, every single one of you. God needs you. He needs us to to build the body of Christ, to answer the cries of those who need help, who need the love of Jesus. And it starts with us sowing seeds of faith and letting God do the rest. We don't have to worry about how it works. We just have to tell them, plant a seed and let the rest happen through God. So many others need to experience what you've experienced. You know, you walk around and you think of what you've experienced with God. And it's like, has your neighbor experienced that? Do they need to experience God? God has called us to be a light. You know, we sing the song to our kids. I'm not going to sing it because I'm not blessed with the singing genes. But that song, Let Your Light Shine. It's a kid's song, but it is so powerful. Because we are called to let our light shine. We are called and we are commissioned to make disciples of the nations. And I'm going to keep on saying it, and you're going to be like, be quiet. But there is a call in your life to minister. Ministry is about others, but it starts with us, you and me. And I love this story in the Bible. And it starts, the story is about a woman, and it starts with her. And you'll probably know it. And it's called uh, the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. And I'm not going to read the entire thing. I'm going to kind of break it down. But if you want to look it up, if you haven't read it, I encourage you to go and read it. And it is John 4, 1 to 42. And the story begins as Jesus and his disciples are traveling from Jerusalem in the south to Galilee in the north. To make their journey shorter, they take the quickest route, like we all do. Who's ever been to Kateri and taken that shortcut? 
Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? So they take the quickest route through Samaria. Tired and thirsty, Jesus sat by Jacob's well while his disciples went to the village of Sakar, roughly half a mile away to buy food. And it was about noon, the hottest part of the day, and a Samaritan woman came to the well. She came to draw water at the hottest part of the day, instead of the usual morning or evening times when the woman would go, because she was shunned and rejected by the other woman of the area for her ways of living. Jesus spoke to her, and she was shocked. You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink, she said. Jesus goes on to explain that he can give her more than water, but living water. And although they had never met, he then reveals to her that he knows all about her five husbands, and he knows that she's living with a guy right now, and they're not even married. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So by now he's got her attention because he's starting to talk about her. And he replies to her, I am the Messiah. And as the woman begins to grasp the reality of her encounter with Jesus, the disciples returned. They too were shocked to find him speaking to a woman. And then I want to show the last verse, which is John 4.28. And it says, The woman left the water jar beside the well, and she ran back to the village telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. How amazing would it be to be in that moment, to be a part of that, right? You see, on that day, many people came to believe in Jesus because of that Samaritan woman who ministered to her town. And that's the power of what can happen when you can step into your ministry, until you can step into your calling as Jesus followers, to not wait for life, because her life wasn't perfect. I'm sure she didn't have many friends. I'm sure people talk behind her back. She probably wasn't confident, yet she ran into the town. You can imagine what life was like for her. But for her to just jump up and follow the call of Jesus, to live a life reflecting him so that we can come across those who may experience him. And so I want to kind of like, are we good? Yeah, thumbs up? Yeah. I want to break down the scripture of the woman at the well. And so what we know that we know already, she's not perfect. She's well known in town for her lifestyle that is frowned upon. She doesn't have many friends and we know her life isn't in order. So these are good things to remember, okay? Her life isn't in order. Her first encounter with Jesus was an inconvenience for her. You see, Jews, they didn't associate themselves with Samaritans, let alone a man who is a Jew. It was the hottest part of the day. She had walked a wee while and she just wanted to get water. And you can imagine, she rocks up to the well and she's like, are you serious? There's a guy there and I just want to get the water from the well. I don't want to talk to anyone because he's probably going to blame me for something or say something horrible to me. And she rocks up and she sees Jesus at the well. The last thing she probably expected. And, you know, I read this and I think, wow, you know, what we can see as an inconvenience, God sees as an opportunity. What can be inconvenient for us is actually convenient for God and His timing. How often are you feeling the call of God? You feel that prompting of the Holy Spirit, the whispering, just that little thought of like, go talk to that person or go pray for that person. Yet it's always like, no, 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 this is the most inconvenient time right now. I'm busy. I've got to get a job done. I haven't got enough time. The kids need picking up. It's always the most inconvenient time, right? And as ministers, We need to be alert. We need to be aware of the opportunities that present to us a chance to share 
the good news. And you know, last year, I like to do little tests and I will trial something for a week and then see how I felt. I did this in high school. I'd listen to non-Christian music for a week and then I'd listen to Christian music and just see what it did to my spirit. And you'll know the answer. But last year, I started every day waking up and I would say to God, can you use me today, God? And how can I build your church today? And I kind of got this habit of saying that. And it's amazing when I said to myself, how can I build your church today, God? That immediately my focus was on his church and on people. And so when I went out in public, I wasn't just focused on myself. I was suddenly made aware of the people I was around. And it wasn't just like the normal, like, hi, how's your day going? It was like, who is this person? How can I talk to you? Like, God, give me an opening to say something to you that can encourage you. How can you build the church of God today? You see, opportunities that may seem inconvenient are not inconvenient, not to God. What is an inconvenience to us is an opportunity for God to move. After the Samaritan woman met Jesus, it goes on to say, the woman left her water jar by the side of the well and she ran back to the village. And when I read this, it comes as a reminder that sometimes you need to put down your phones, that might be an object, you need to take your focus off what needs to be done. Like it can wait. Like I imagine she would have come back for the jar because she would have actually needed it. But right now she's like, I've got bigger priorities. These people in my village, they need to know about this guy, Jesus. The water can wait. What is it that can wait in your life right now? They can just wait a little bit. Is there something else that needs your priority? Who in your world needs you to run across the road to their house and knock on their door and chat to them? Who needs a friend in their world? Maybe you know someone who just needs someone to talk to. They need to be known that they're cared for, that they matter. Who in your world can you, can you leave something behind and run to them? Time is running out and there are so many lost people that don't know Jesus. Can I get one of the, um, the band members to join me? That'd be real cool. My favourite part of this verse, I shall get the whole band. They can come up. It's quite cool being able to say, band, come up. <laughs> My favourite part of this verse, and this is the whole thing. And so if you, if you leave today and you're having lunch and someone's like, what did you learn? I just want you to remember this. Come and see. Come and see. She said, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. You know, what we can learn from what she did is that she didn't have it together. Nothing was perfect. And we're all humans. We don't have everything together. Don't wait until you're reading your Bible every single day and you feel God's voice every day. Go and minister. Don't wait until you're in your dream job before you feel like you can go and follow God's calling and minister. The time is now. She had sat at the well and she's like, I gotta go. I gotta run and get my people. But I love it that this is a real reminder, and we do this as humans. We like to complicate stuff. She didn't complicate it. All she said was, come and see. A man who has done told me everything. All she said was, come and see. And I'd love to, you know, I dream about this and imagine, imagine if we were a church that had this language of come and see. Come and see what God has done for me. Come and see what my church is like. Come and see the healings I've experienced. Let me tell you about the time that God healed me. Come and see how my life has turned around, how I went from this, but now I have this. Come and see and experience unconditional love. 
Jesus is not complicated. He is simple. I think sometimes we come to Him with so many problems and really He's just like, come to me. I just want you. And He just wants the people in our world that are lost. Who in your world, and I have a slide that says it so you can kind of visualise it. Who in your world needs you to say, come and see, fill in the blank? What would you put? Would you say, come and see, I had church last week and this happened. Or come and see, let me tell you about the time that I had a headache and it got healed. Or I was fighting for a job and God came through. I know that when I hear people's stories about how God's moved, it stirs me. And it's an opportunity, you know, God moves in our life. He does healings, He, he turns up. And it's not just to like, you know, keep it to ourselves and be like, oh my gosh, God moved. But it's like, nah, let's go and tell people. Let's go and tell them what He did. People aren't gonna come to know God if we don't start talking up and don't start sharing our stories. Come and see what God has done for me. Come on, I wanna encourage you right now, Ernestbrook Church. We are a church, a river of grace. And we are called to flow through our community. Don't stop flowing. Maybe you've got some boulders in place. They need to come out so that you can keep on flowing through and let God flow through your life into those around you. We need to be openly sharing stories of how we have experienced life under God's care. Can I remind you, you're under His care. But there are so many people that haven't got that and they need that. Imagine making this a common theme of your day-to-day life. Come and see. Come and see what God has done for me. I would love it if you would stand with me right now. We're going we're gonna to take a moment and we're going to sing. We're going to sing to the Lord. And there's, last year I had, in December, I had these two weird dreams. And if you're not familiar with church and Christianity, I had these two dreams that were full on spiritual attacks to the point where I woke up and I had to get Jared to pray for me because it just wouldn't leave me alone. And one of these dreams, I found myself in this current being pulled towards this door. And I saw this face and I knew immediately that it wasn't heaven. That was the enemy, that was hell. I'm gonna get real, hell's a real place. And I could feel myself getting pulled towards this current. And I had to call on these people that were in my dream to get me out of it. I need God, get me out. And I got out of it and I woke up and it dawned on me. I was like, how many people find themselves in like, you know the lazy river at ASB, if you've been in it? That feeling of when the current kind of pulls you and you can't stop. And it dawned on me from that experience in my dream. I thought there are so many people that are in a current that can't get out. There are so many people that aren't even aware that they're slowly getting pulled and they're lost and they don't know that it's happening and they need us, you, 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 to reach in and pull them out, to pull them out of that current that they're unaware that they're in. And you know, when I was getting ready to preach, I kept thinking, we're in a battle and yeah, we're gonna come for you, enemy. We're gonna come for you and take you down. You're not taking these lost souls. You're not letting my neighbour go. And so I wanna encourage you this morning to come and see what the Lord has done. I'm gonna pray for you. And if you feel like you need an outpouring of God's Spirit, Jared shared about the joy. If you need God's joy and that bubbling up of the well of living water, if you, would, if you would like to receive that afresh again today, I would love it if you would bow your head and close your eyes. You can reach your arms out. You can stand there. This moment is for you. But if you, if you would like to receive an outpouring of joy back in your life, 
then I would love to pray for you this morning that you may experience joy and the bubbling up of the living well that you too can go out and minister for those around you. God, we just pray for every single person right now in this room. God, I pray for the ones that have been lacking joy in their life. God, I speak directly to that. I say, God, would you put the word joy back in their life? Joy doesn't come from the world. Joy comes from you, God. I pray that they would experience an outpouring of your joy in their spirit. God, that they would go forth and minister to the world. And I pray for those as well, that they need a bubbling up of the water from you, Lord, that well, but not just normal water, but living water that bubbles up inside of us, that is a burst of energy that wants to make us run after the people in our world and share your love. God, we just ask right now that this would be a reminder, a reminder as your people, as your hands and feet, that we would go out and minister to the world, that we would minister to Saxton, to Nelson, to Brightwater, to Richmond, to those around us, that we would not forget, that we would be reminded right now that we carry the most incredible treasure. And all it starts with is come and see. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.